Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. That's right. We have part three of our interviews at the NRA annual meetings. We talked with Mars Torre, the founder and co-founder of Empower, and Dana Lash. Stay tuned. with us on social media whether it's facebook instagram or twitter it's all the same name trend chat 24 7 and if you want to read some of my articles on politics just go to politics.com slash author slash brian bledsoe and speaking of the politics they are uh, resuming their book tour through the carolinas right now and as i mentioned yesterday i will be at one of one of those dates on may the 8th in North Charleston, um, you know whoever's listening, um, if you're able to make it, come by, buy a book, <laughs> and that book is a clearing call to political activism. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and the book is, I would say, it was it's 300 pages of articles from the vast 
number of politics contributors, which I am one of, and one of my articles about becoming a delegate to go to the Republican National Convention in Cleveland last year is one of the articles in the book. So it's not only that because my article is in it that I encourage you to buy the book. I just think it's a great book altogether just because it touches on a number of issues. Like actually the the section where my article article is in the book is talks about activism. So you have other articles talking about political activism and it goes on in other subjects as well, such as education, health care, social issues, religion um, or Islam or politics in general. So, yeah, like I said, it's over 300 pages. I think you would definitely um, would. I, I will hope it would be somewhat inspirational in in a sense of just kind of showing where you have, you know, just people who are passionate about uh, about defending, you know, whether it is the Second Amendment or just conservative principles in general. And and kind of just shows that, you know, you don't have to be a superstar in a sense or just it just, you know, you just need to actually care and want to do something about it. So and I mean, that's me. Just because you hear me talking behind this microphone, I mean, I'm no superstar. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not, um, you know, big celebrity. It's just someone who was able to, I guess, have a platform that I am definitely grateful for, and you know, I'm I'm able to talk behind this mic right now, and I appreciate everyone who are are listening right now and have been supporting. Uh, you know, even when they were supporting me as when I was running for delegate last year and and even in this venture as well. So but, you know, it doesn't it's not like I myself and am some big shot or something like that. That's definitely not the case. So, you know, I drive down these roads as a truck driver because that's my that's my profession right there is driving. You know, I'm a truck driver. So. And speaking of that, we are coming to you from Milford, Connecticut today, actually. And that's where we're broadcasting out of. Um, and thanks to Spreaker for having, you know, the platform for me to go on uh, uh, to do a podcast like this. So, yeah, so didn't mean to really go on a rant about that. But, I, you know, the book, you know, A Clear Recall to Political Activism is definitely it's it's a it's a good book to to read as far as just understanding it and that you know anybody can be an activist in a way because all you have to do is just care <laughs> really and and want to do it so like i said in the beginning we talked to Marge Torre and the founder and co-founder of empowered who are Antonio Okafor and Joanna Rodriguez and Dana Lash at the NRA annual meetings in Atlanta. And um, I just, you know, one thing I was thinking about as far as when um, we spoke to Antonio in particular, she posted something about from um, the Atlantic 
with the Atlanta Journal Constitution, and it was had an article about just kind of just saying that where are the black people at the NRA annual meetings and whatnot, and just kind of um, then kind of making the argument, uh, trying to say like, well, you know, why are people, why are black people um, shy to join the NRA or even be associated, you know, with the NRA or whatnot. And, and look, don't get me wrong. It's not like there were, you know, a lot of black people there. Okay. Understandable. But it's not the fact that like there were none there. They made, um, I think one sentence in there said they, they, they counted four. Okay. Now that's okay. That's not right. It's, there were definitely more than four people there. (laughs) So four black people there. So that's, but you know, um, you know, that Atlanta Journal Constitution, I mean, like pretty much like all the other media outlets, you know, they just want to push this narrative and far as about black people and trying to, you know, even in the story, just picking people to show their fear of the NRA or whatever like that, or just guns in general. And it's kind of like what I talked to uh, Coley on the war yesterday and yesterday's program about you know, the reception and, and it's just, you know, we just need more people and just to be, uh, I guess to be, you know, out there as far as showing that, you know, the second amendment is for everyone, not just for one race or one political party. Um, I mean, the right to self-defense should not be a political issue. It literally, it really shouldn't. I mean, everyone should have the right to self-defense. So, but um, you know, it. I was just I'm thinking of about this, not only with the NRA, but just in general when you talk about whether it's a conservative organization or or any political organization that's connected with conservatism, and then um, and then the fact that you you have a very low number of just black conservatives or black Republicans in general. And then every time, you know, when like CPAC or something like that, or any other event where you have a large group of conservatives that meet up, you have these major news outlets that come out and ask about why black people are not, you know, um, joining up or not, or hesitant, or in some cases they just say just afraid or whatever like that. And, you know, it's one thing I've been thinking about this for a second, though, but, you know, when you have, especially in the in the black community, when you have so many of these progressive organizations um, out here that are just outwardly pandering towards black people and you have all these other, you know, liberals out here and they're just like really just really just pandering to the point of just absurdity <laughs> to towards black people. And, you know, and then the, you have a good number of black people join, join in and all that. And then when you look at something maybe like the NRA or maybe, I don't know, maybe heritage or something like that, that you don't really have that to where it, you know, because people are actually being treated equally. We're not, 
not out here just to say, okay, we we want to have this black section of people in in our organization. No, we just want you to join like everyone else joins and just kind of like be like everyone else. But when you contrast that with how a lot of black people are pursued by these liberal organizations, it makes it seem like like these conservative organizations are not trying to reach out because they're not doing the overhanded pandering that all these other organizations do towards black people. They just treat you like everyone else. But, and so when you have black people who are basically all conditioned to, to expect to be treated special in a way (laughs) than everyone else, like you should do something more for us in a, in a way, because, um, as opposed to everyone else who that you have, you know, in your organization or whatnot. And I think that sort of, of thinking is what probably keeps a lot of black people from joining something like the NRA because they are just kind of, it seems like a lot are just waiting for that, that obligatory pandering that they've received from these other, you know, liberal organizations that just go, you know, <laughs> just go overboard with the with trying to get you to to join so you know and anyway i didn't want to take up too much time but it's just something that was on my mind and, and um and kind of well and speaking of that actually the first interview is with um Maj Torre, who was with um black guns matter and you know kind of just going back to where you know, the right to self-defense shouldn't be a political issue. Um, everyone should, should be, should have the right to self, uh, to defend themselves. And, and, you know, Maestro Ray is out here is trying to, you know, educate the black community who, as I've kind of mentioned just a minute ago, just have been conditioned to be afraid of guns and to actually, not look to defend themselves in a way, just basically to depend on the state and other, not only in as far as economic and, you know, with welfare or whatnot, but now black people have for a majority of black people right now kind of have this sense that they, that they shouldn't have guns that, they should be afraid of guns. And my story is out here trying to reverse that. And here is my interview with him. I'm Brian Bledsoe, and we are here with uh, Maj Torre. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. Maj Torre. What's going on? All right. Uh, he's with Black Guns Matter. Yep. And just give a details about uh, your organization. Well, Black Guns Matter, we're a firearm safety and training organization. We deal with, you know, urban areas specifically, but not limited to. We just want people in that ur- in those urban demographics to have a better understanding of uh, safety, uh, their Second Amendment rights, the law, proper training, and things like that. So we just go around the country. Right, right now we're on a uh, 50-state tour. We're um, letting people know uh, in tougher areas that these are things that, these are human rights. These aren't, you know, government-given rights. And Because a lot of times that disconnect happens. So that's pretty much what we are, and that, that's the 50-state tour world. So um, 
I guess how the, the reception has been in the urban communities when you're coming in talking about guns? The reception has been amazing. There's, there's already been, there's firearms in the urban community already. What's missing is the education and the information. So what we do is by adding those things to it, it puts people on that path and it spreads out a whole lot better because the tool is already there, but a certain level of understanding is missing. So when the understanding and the, the information behind the tool and the proper thought process is there, it's a slam dunk. Yeah, so um, I know the general question I've asked everyone is about um, why, why protecting the Second Amendment is so important. The, protecting the Second Amendment is extremely important because it's the one amendment that allows you to defend all of your other beliefs, your other values. So if you believe in something and you can't defend that belief, then you probably don't have that belief. Because if it's, you know if something, something if you gathering supplies and you don't have a means to defend them, you just gathering supplies for the tougher person or the person that has a means to take what you have. Um, so the Second Amendment is key in that, and that's why it's not the Twentieth Amendment, the Ninety Thousandth Amendment is second. You know the right to express yourself and then the right to defend what you express, and that's very important. So um, what all you have coming up as far as I know you say you was on a tour and you have anything else coming up? Yeah, we have our um, our next classes in Phoenix. We'll be in Phoenix, Arizona, May the fifth, Cinco de Mayo. Um, then we'll be back in Philadelphia the following day for another class there. Um, and that's just, you know, we're just going to keep mashing, keep moving forward with all of the different cities and states. Um, if anybody that wants to support what we're doing, we do have a GoFundMe page, gofundme.com backslash blackgunsmatter. Our official website's officialblackgunsmatter.com. And we're just going to keep mashing, keep doing the work, keep waking a sleeping giant that, you know, certain politicians would have urban demographics stay asleep. We're just going to keep waking people up. That's the goal. And, uh, and where, where can everyone, you know, contact you through social media and all that? Yeah, yeah, everybody can, if they can remember our website, officialblackgunsmatter.com, all of our contacts are there. But my direct Twitter is at Maj2Re. That's my Instagram as well, M-A-J-T-O-U-R-E. Okay. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to Maj2Re for joining us. And definitely I uh, would, would like to attend one of those, you know, tour dates. And like I said, he will be in Phoenix on, um, <clears throat> well, tomorrow, actually, on Cinco de Mayo. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, cause I was just thinking about, you know, as a truck driver, I can, I'm able to try to make some of these events somewhere. So, I don't know, maybe I might make it up to Philadelphia sometime or, or whatnot. So, but definitely am looking for, I'm looking forward to hopefully, you know, maybe to attend something um, at one of these states and and really really you know glad to see someone out here trying to get you know a more awareness especially in the urban communities as you mentioned so now speaking of getting awareness in another area uh, we talked with the founder and co-founder of Empowered um, and they're trying to uh, empower, you know, like the name, <laughs> women in college, in the college context, to actually be proud to have a gun on campus, you know. So, you know, it's it's definitely in, I guess I'm thinking about as far as college campuses and, you know, Antonio and, and Joanna has been out here fighting with, um, you know, as far as with the campus carry, 
you know, they've been fighting to get this passed, to have this, you know, one, one, this is our right to have the Second Amendment, to have the right to self-defense. It shouldn't stop once you get on campus. I mean, it's still your right. So why is it all of a sudden not your right once you get on campus? So, you know, so these two have come together and have started Empowered. And here is my interview with them. Hello, this is Politics.com here at the NRA uh, annual meetings. And we are here with the founder and co-founder of Empower, Antonio Okafor and Joanna Rodriguez. How y'all doing? I'm doing well. Doing good. Doing well. So this is a new initiative, and actually, I'm going to let y'all explain everything about it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we started Empowered. Um, basically, um, you know, for me, it was because as a campus carry activist, I realized that young women were really going to be the future of not only the gun industry, but with campus carry and pushing that movement. And so, uh, you know, we both decided, you know, to team up because, you know, Joanna's with Turning Point USA and they're doing amazing things on their side as well. And uh, so we brought our skills together and realized that we could really make a difference with young women on campus because there's definitely an assault on young women in this generation um, from feminists who want to bring them to their side and say that, you know, guns are evil and they should fear guns when really um, guns are there to protect them. Absolutely, I agree, and um, I'm here to help Antonia more on the fieldwork side since I have a lot of experience with that with Turning Point, and our goal is just to get um, college-age women plugged in and unafraid to go to the range by themselves and pick up a gun by themselves and just be educated and trained on that aspect. You know, it's funny because um, we spoke at CPAC, I spoke both of you, and I know we talked about it a little bit, Antonio, but, you know, Joanna was a little, didn't want to talk much about it, but I kind of figured that's what she was talking about. It wasn't like that, but. It was, it was a secret. Uh, I wasn't super, like, out there with it yet. I wanted it to be Antonia's thing, maybe in the background, so I didn't want to talk about it yet. Oh, it's okay. I was just, I was just remembering that, but, um, so how, so how has the networking gone here as far as for Empower? Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing just to see how eager people are to, to join it. And um, they're excited about the idea of it. Um, I, I didn't even realize um, so many people were, you know, that, that's the next step for them is that they see that void um, of, you know, marketing to those women who, you know, I see it as a lifetime investment. You know, you get women there when that's the, the first time they can carry and then they become young professionals and then they become moms and then have families and then those families are influenced by them. Um, I work at a gun range and the one thing the owner always says is that if you can get the mom, you get the whole family because if you, without the mom, none of the kids are coming. <laughs> so that's exactly what the mindset is that um, even for gun, the gun manufacturers is that, you know, they're trying to, more women in general are becoming the emerging market of gun ownership, but um, what a better way to, you know, really get them at the beginning of their uh, phase of gun ownership, and that's usually when they're young. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, I guess not to get overly political, but I do want to ask, uh, so what are your expectations as far as, um, I guess, protecting the Second Amendment, given that now that we have Republicans in the majority of both chambers of Congress and now we have uh, President Trump in the, in the White House? Yeah, I think um, it's really easy, and it is, but that's exactly why I voted for Trump, um, you know, as personally, this is not 
an empowered, um, not with empowered organization, but you know, me personally, I did it because as an activist, I felt that he, especially being backed by the NRA, was going to be the best person for, especially against Hillary, um, the best person for the Second Amendment. Now, I also am, as an activist, I also see both sides and the fact that there are people who will say that they're for our values, um, not saying about President Trump, but even more so on the state level, that they're Republican in name only, and that they won't really stand up for all people, and that includes students, that includes um, people who are who are poor and can't afford different types of access to guns or licensing. So um, I think it's really important to make sure that, yes, we're at a great position, um, but we also have to keep those politicians accountable. Um, and, you know, we don't want things that are happening like what happened in Florida, where, uh, you know, campus carry was basically put on the table once again um, from other Republicans and saying no to it. So uh, we have to keep bringing those people out to the front forefront. You know, I called out Nathan Deal, the governor Deal, at my speech yesterday or a couple of days ago um, because I think it's important that they know that we're, uh, we're they're on notice. You know, we are watching them. We're watching We're watching. Them, and uh, they're not going to get away with that just as much as a Democrat is not going to get away with that. So, no. I absolutely agree. <laughs> Thank so, you. So, uh, I'm not really here just to say um, no. I'm just really here to back up anything she says. Well, um, the, no, the, the, the general uh, general question I've been asking everyone is um, why protecting the Second Amendment is so important. Um, so for me, I see it as important with my background in Venezuela. A few years ago in Venezuela, they did an arms pickup and decided that um, citizens wouldn't be able to have. Um, weapons or guns or anything like that. And now what we're seeing is that um, the government has given distributed over 500,000 guns, rifles, uh, to untrained, probably very poor, uneducated people just to fight on behalf of the government. And those people have no sort of law enforcement training, no sort of military training, and they're going out and they're killing the protesters that are just trying to fight for liberty and trying to get rid of the socialism there. So that's why fighting for a Second Amendment in America is so important to me because I'd never want that to happen in the United States. Now, well, I'm going to say you also you mentioned something about that on Fox Business um, about Venezuela. Yes, absolutely. It's really sad what is happening there. Um, and I'm really glad I got to have some exposure to other people who might have not heard about what's happening in Venezuela. So. It's always, and my parents are from Nigeria, and um, they also realize, you know, the power and the freedom that we have, the special freedom that we have here in America. Uh, really, it shouldn't be a special freedom. It's a God-given right to everybody. Um, but we, uh, for the most part, we, you know, champion the Second Amendment because it's about self-defense. And Chris Cox yesterday was on NRA TV, and I love what he said. He said, uh, the Second Amendment is not about hunting. The Second Amendment is about self-defense, and it really is about that. And it's just, you know, just the Supreme Court just backed up what the Constitution says with the right to keep and bear arms. And, you know, state by state, we're still having issues with that. But with things like the National Reciprocity Law that the um, NRA is trying to push um, and the Hearing Protection Act, I think those things are going to bring it back to the forefront of, hey, our Second Amendment rights are pivotal to us as Americans, um, but pivotal to freedom and being able to um, spread freedom in places like Venezuela and, and everybody else and everywhere else because they see us as an example. Um, yeah. Well, well, I have one, well, two more questions. Okay. Um, as far as... um. How long have 
have you been into guns? It has it been since birth or what? No, I did not grow up with guns. In fact, I grew up as, and I also been that at my in my speech that you know I voted for Obama twice. You know, I just and when you vote for a Democrat, uh, usually just kind of taking all the other values in with with you when you vote for someone like that. Um, and so I just assumed I was anti-gun. Um, I think it wasn't, it didn't hit home until, for one, I realized that, you know, I'm definitely not a Democrat. I don't have their values. I'm more of a conservative libertarian because I, I value freedom um, and freedom for everybody else, not just myself. Um, but it also, you know, realizing that as a student, you know, as a campus carry activist, I became an activist because I knew my personal my personal freedom was at stake and being able to choose my right to self-defense um, on campus, especially as a woman. So um, I think that's kind of like, that was my transformation and realizing that the Second Amendment was important, not for just me, but for other people. For me, uh, my dad has always had guns and rifles at the house. I never really used them um, until, I'd say, high school. He kind of took me to the range and showed me a few things. Uh, and then for my 21st birthday, he paid for my concealed carry and for my first handgun. So um, it was something that I kind of grew up with. And although my parents weren't very openly political with me, I always knew that they were um, pro-guns. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's good dad. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, um... Um, so give us all, I guess, website, social media, and everything. Yeah. So uh, you can follow um, Empowered on Twitter and Instagram. It's um, Empowered underscore 2A. And we're also on Facebook, um, just Empowered. Um, but then also um, you can follow me at Antonia under, underscore Okafor, um, also on Instagram as well. Okay. And thank you to Antonia and Joanna for joining us. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about the next event we'll probably be covering. I have a suspicion that we'll probably be talking with them again um, in probably the next month or so. So, But um, right now, we're going to go straight into our interview with Dana Lash. And actually, she she was talking about as um, NRA carry guard. And, you know, um, don't let me... Mess, mess it all up. I'm going to let her get more detail about it. And here's our interview with her. Hello, this is Politics.com. This is Brian Bledsoe, and I am here with Dana Lash. With, uh, she is the national spokeswoman for the NRA and also a great host for The Blaze. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, coming out. Your very first NRA annual meeting is awesome. Yes, and um, I just want to ask, I saw your Periscope about, you know, asking for your haters to come out because um, actually I posted a tweet um uh, a couple of days ago about this article I'm writing on my dad and all of a sudden it just blew up in something crazy and uh, I just want to ask so what happened last uh, well yesterday well so what ended up I mean and by the way I saw your I saw your tweet and it just I know I saw the people commenting on it it kind of went from there I mean whenever whenever you um, what gets me is that anytime anybody talks of empowerment individual empowerment being able to handle your own self defense and not have to rely on someone else to save you, to, to bail you out, to protect your life or the life of your loved ones, um, you get, there's always this 
crazy enraged response from the anti-gun lobby. And I call I, they're not gun control. They're anti-gun. Any abridgment of the Second Amendment is a nullification of the Second Amendment. These are individuals that say things like, like the Shannon Watts of the Moms Demand, whatever. They've said that any firearm that fires 10 rounds a minute is considered an assault weapon, while simultaneously arguing that they want to ban assault weapons. So they don't. They're not. They don't want just gun control. They want to ban guns. They're not for gun safety because the behavior that they exhibit online and the language they use and the other behavior they encourage is unsafe. They're promoting ignorance, which is unsafe. The NRA and and Second Amendment practitioners, we educate, we inform, we engage and teach and instruct and train. It's all about education. And we, we, we educate kids through NRA's Eddie Eagle just about how this is how you are this is how you safely handle a firearm. This is what you do if you see a firearm. You know, and and, and, it, and all of that is about education, which is the antidote to ignorance. These people, through their 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 promotion of propaganda and scare tactics, they actually make things more unsafe. They don't like safety at all. They don't do anything to help with, for instance, Project Child Safe, they, which distributes free locks throughout police departments across the country. They don't do anything to assist with any of that. They don't. Be- they definitely don't support NRA Carry Guard, which is all about training and insurance. Because and, and they attack people who do, though. So their actions and the things that they say and the things that they promote are antithetical to absolutely everything that they preach. They they want to ban all firearms. They want to ban all education on firearms. And so that way, that's why safety isn't really important to them. That's why knowledge about firearms isn't really important to them because they want to ban them. So what's the use for those things? So I know you mentioned Carry Guard. That's that's something that started um, just recently, right? Yeah, we launched it just actually this week. Uh, The first big sign-up's happening um, this weekend at NRA annual meetings. And this is huge. This is something that the millions of NRA members have been asking for 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 quite a long time. And of course, you know, creating a program like this and identifying and bringing on the teachers that we have, the instructors that we have. I mean, these guys are amazing. I mean, you have Green Berets, uh, Navy SEALs, retired Navy SEALs, retired Green Berets. These are guys who were coming out of active duty. And one of the really cool things about NRA Carry Guard is it provides a, a way for combat veterans. They they have something that they can immediately fit into as they transition from active duty to civilian life. And it's amazing because they can put those skills that they have learned and utilized in, even in stressful situations, and they can inform civilians about how to best handle themselves and, and train with a firearm so that if, heaven forbid, the moment comes where they are one of the 2.3 million instances of defensive gun use a year, they'll be ready. Now, um, actually, want to uh, ask a little bit more details because um, actually, is it like uh, insurance and training? It's insurance and training. So you have the training, which is it is modernized concealed carry training. And one of the things that I think sets this training apart, speaking as a woman, is that this is you know, and I love my men out there, but us ladies, we carry a little bit differently. You know, we kind of have to. Um, whereas men can wear looser clothes, and y'all wear business jackets and all of that. Women don't necessarily do that all the time. We carry in different places. Um, and so one of the things that Carry Guard does is it recognizes that, and it also teaches 
just to that uh, with its female students, which I've never seen a concealed carry program do that before. And they talk about how to quickly access your firearm in those particular areas and make it to where you can immediately get into a defensive position, uh, which is hugely important. Um, that's um, so. That's you know one of the things that I really like about it. Um, the, but the training is it's modernized concealed carry training, and it incorporates the techniques that uh, our veterans have learned when they were in service, and it incorporates that into, for civilian use. It's streamlined. It's efficient. There are. Um, it's. I mean, it's really. It's improved me a lot because now I have more time to acquire my target and you know tension and all of that and 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 check um, tension sites to squeeze and you know make sure that I'm still completely aware of my surroundings and just making it methodical, making it almost robotic, making it to where it's reflexive so that I have more time to actually process the situation around me, including uh, you know really the legal considerations, which because of our litigious society, we really have to think about that now. Yeah, because as a as a veteran, but I've been out since for ten years, and I'm being a truck driver. It's very restrictive as far as having a handgun, and it's something I'm, I'm very interested in getting myself and kind of getting, re, I guess, familiarize myself again with um, hand, handling firearms. But it's one of the things too, because in the course you actually start out in you know learning about some of the legalities in the classroom, so that when you go onto the range and then when you go and do the airsoft training, you have that in the back of your mind, and you are using that as a part of your training, and you're reacting to that as well, and incorporating that into okay, I'm processing this threat. I'm also recalling the legal uh, training that I had and recalling, you know, just the physical training that I had at the same time. These are all things that law-abiding gun owners have to think of when they're in that particular situation because there have been situations where, you know, the criminal will sue uh, the person that they were trying to hurt. There have been so many situations of that, and there are actually lawyers out there who will take that case. There are situations where you have a law-abiding concealed carrier, a law-abiding gun owner who, you know, at, at, is placed in a position where they absolutely have to use lethal force to save their life or the life of someone else and the person who is trying to even though that they were arrested and they're being charged they're going to file a civil suit or they're going to get on the news and they're going to say all these things about this person who acted heroically and of course there are ambulance chasers that go out there and they're going to oh let's go and sue I mean this happens um, more often than not sadly because of the litigious nature everyone wants to sue the country is sue happy so one of the things that NRA Carry Guard does is in addition to getting the the legal training. So, for instance, you know, you know, low ready is a misdemeanor if you're presented with a threat and actually pointing straight on, actually drawing down straight on. That's a that's a felony. So these are things that you absolutely have to think about because you're going to have to answer for every single one of those motions. If God forbid you're called into a courtroom because you had defense, you had to defensively use your firearm. And so it gets into that aspect. And then the insurance is amazing. It's the most comprehensive coverage that is out there, um, and also a legal repository um, because when you look at, um, for instance, you know, if, if you have something that happens, uh, you have, they, you know, you call 911, and then you, the second call that you make is the call, the number that's on the back of your NRA carry guard card, and so what happens is you're going to be connected with a lawyer who is in your area that has dealt with the situation, you know, you're not going to be talking to some traffic attorney or anything like that, um, but you're going to talk with a lawyer who's in your area that's going to be able to give you that legal advice that you need, so the, I joke about it, like with Pulp Fiction, the wolf that cleans up the mess, that's NRA carry guard. They're sort of, you know, they're right there for the law-abiding, you know, defensive gun owner, uh, defensive user in that particular situation. There's also money that can be used for cleanup. So when I went through my concealed carry training just to get my license in Texas, you know, they let you know, it's really expensive if you, you know, someone breaks into your house and you have to use your, you, 
use lethal force, it's really expensive to clean that up. NRA Carry Guard will cover that, so that's not an that's not uh, a further injury to the victim that's already you know had to use lethal force to save their life. So there are many amazing benefits with NRA Carry Guard. And the, I, I know you got to go. I just want to ask the general question as far as so why why protecting the Second Amendment is so important. Uh, because with the Second Amendment is what gives teeth to every other natural right. Uh, Second Amendment is a natural right. So protecting our natural rights and keeping it from uh, being in, abridged by uh, man, for the lack of a better way to put it, I think it's incredibly important because we need to make sure that we're able to protect ourselves. Think about this. Gonzalez v. Castle Rock state of police don't have a legal obligation to defend your life. And I love our men and women in blue, but that Supreme Court case ultimately determined that you, they do not have a legal obligation to protect your life. In fact, there were two court cases that underscored that. Secondly, when you consider the average time it takes for law enforcement to get to your home, that's 20 minutes. You know, my uncle was a deputy in southern Missouri, and it was a huge rural district, a huge rural county, and there were only a couple of deputies um, for that huge county, and you're talking a lot of mileage, a lot of curvy roads, and, you know, slow, I mean, it's just nuts. And so you need to make sure that you're able to, you're your own first responder. You're the first person who's there on the scene, and and you have to make sure that you're able to defend yourself because you can't always count on someone being there to do so for you. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Brian, thank you. Yep, and thanks to Dana Lash for joining us. And, you know, in the interview and also just overall with the NRA annual meetings, it, it definitely was the experience and the education being there. And as I've said the, pa- uh, the past two episodes, it's it has made me want to definitely get more educated, get more proficient and just not only just trying to learn all about handguns in general, just the, the just the firearms that I have already. Just to know that basic knowledge and to um, have more time to train with my firearms and just, you know, just know more. And I, it, I'm definitely um, intrigued and definitely am um, more motivated to want to know more about um, basically just learning, like just learn the basics really of when it, of self-defense and, and of firearms. And um, it's funny in the beginning of that, when I mentioned about the tweet that I had talking about the, the article actually that I'm finishing up right now about my dad because um, the article that I'm writing for Politichicks is about my dad being at the NRA annual meetings. And that basically was his, his first, you know, for lack of a better term, gun show. So, and, um, and so I just kind of talked about his experience along, you know, as with mine as well. And, um, and she was talking about, you know, NRA carry guard and and I was just looking at the benefits and she mentioned you know a lot of the benefits as well and you know for me I, after one being there and then actually seeing um, everything as far that comes with the carry guard I actually joined up myself so <laughs> um, and I just saw it as as insurance for for my insurance basically because having a firearm in itself is insurance 
in a way in case something happens or, you know, for self-defense purposes. But then I need my insurance in case I did have to use my insurance, if you get what I'm saying. So, and I just think this is a, a, a real good program, and especially with the training as well. That was something that kind of um, stood out too, is that I, I would definitely look forward to doing some of the training um, when they have it available in the Dallas area. I'm guessing given that the next annual meetings will be in Dallas, that they will have some training probably already set up beforehand before next year. And so, but yeah, so I, I signed up for it. I, I think it's pretty good. There are three different levels. There's a bronze, silver and gold level. And um, I signed up for the bronze personally. So, uh, the, but you know, if, if you got it, I'll say go for the, for the gold. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that is it of our interviews at the, at the NRA annual meetings. And like I said just a few minutes ago, the next annual meetings will be in Dallas on May 3rd through the 6th, if I'm not mistaken. I think May 3rd through the 6th, yeah. So um, I don't have to worry about trying to travel out there. You know, I live in Dallas, so I can I definitely would have no problem going next year. So, and I don't, I still kind of wondering if we're going to do a show tomorrow or not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But either way, I would just say until next time, which may be tomorrow or maybe next Tuesday, we'll chat with you later. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Six eight seven zero seven zero zero. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but 
you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700.